Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Hashem, we are learning about the Kama Dav Kuf Yud Zayin. We left off on Dav Kuf Yud Zayin Amidal of two lines from the, in the top of the Amid. We started learning in the Mishnah, the way we explained it, that if a person uncoerced, without being forced, showed to extortionists, which unfortunately during the times of Golos, the Yidin lived in many places, or whether it was government officials, or whether we lived in areas where there was a certain amount of lawliness that was allowed by the government, directed towards the Jews. If someone showed an, an extortionist, you guys want to take someone's property, you want to take someone's belongings, go over there. And they pointed to another Jew's property, and the extortionists were the ones that stole it, or that occupied it, so the one who pointed the extortionists in that direction, without being forced, they're going to be chayif to pay. And the Gemara told us a story, and Rav Nachman paskind that that individual is chayif to pay. And as we explained it, that's connected to Do'en Dino de Garmi. And again, Lashitas Rashi, Garmi and Grama generally is the same thing. And we are now ruling that even though the person who showed the extortionists what to take did not damage anything directly, they didn't do anything actually. The extortionists were the ones that stole it, but they showed them where to go steal, they're chayef to pay. And after Rav Nachman gave the psak din, Rav Huna wanted to know whether Rav Nachman is actually paskening this way, is that the din? Or perhaps that person is a chronic informer. So he was, so to say, being penalized. There was a knas that Rav Nachman gave to him, but Rav Nachman normally would not pass in Alpidin that doin din de That was the question that Rav Huna asked Rav Nachman, to which Rav Yosef asked Rav Huna, if Rav Nachman is making a knas, or if Rav Nachman is paskening that ne'ikar adin. To which the Gemara said, go back to the top of the Amid, no, if Rav Nachman ruled that that person that informer is chayev to pay me'ikar adin, then gomrin on minay. Then we learn from this psak din of the great Rav Rav Nachman, that doing dina de garmi. However, iknasa, but if it was a unique circumstance, the type of causative damages had to do with him being an informer. And maybe that individual kept on informing on other Jews, and therefore he got a knas from Rav Nachman. If that were to be the case, then gomrin on minay. We cannot learn from a din of a knas. Asks the Gemara, Uminat Timran, from where do I know that the Miknas Aloigamrinan? Where do we know that if something is being ruled not because that is the din, but because that's a penalty that's being imposed, we can't learn from it? So says the Gemara de Tanya. And now we're going to prove that if something is based on a knas, on a fine, we cannot amplify it, we cannot connect one case to the other. You can argue every case has its unique circumstances and maybe this person deserved the knas more than the other. Versus if something is the din, once something is ruled as the basic law, then we do jury prudence learn from it to many other cases. And we had this din together in Masech Gitin. There we were learning the, 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 the law of Hezek She'en and Nikr indiscernible 
damages. So the Mishnah says that that initially the Chachamim made a decree that that if someone is going to make some coins through Matamei by touching it while the toucher is Tamei or if a person, God forbid, is going to lift up someone else's wine and steer it or pour it for a idol which will make that wine Asad even Bahana'am even though before this Barishayna, the metama or the Manasseh would not be chayf to pay for the damages because it's Hezek, Shein, and Nikar, the Chachamim ruled that they do have to pay. Obviously, the one who made some coins Truma Tamei did not fully damage it because the coin could use the Truma, can use the truma Tamei, we just had this two shiurim ago, at least for fuel. Yayanesach is also even Bahana. So what? Whatever, whatever the damage is, the Chachamim ruled that they're chayif to pay even though it's Hezek She'en and Nikr. And then, the Chachamim added later, as Rashi says here, is Irev Chulan B'Truma. If a person mixes Chulan into someone's Truma, now the rule is that if you have a hundred Chulan against the Truma, the Truma is bottle. But if you don't have the Bittl B'Meya, then everything is called a dimua, it's a mixture. Now here the damage is even less. Nothing is tame here. However, a non-kain won't be allowed to eat the schulen because it has truma in it. And therefore you can only sell it to a kain and bakhlal truma was less expensive than chulen because there's less demand for it. Less demand, less expensive. So hamadameya also Later is going to be someone who's chayef to pay for that little amount of damage. And now the Gemara says, Gavaldik, why did they have to re-decree on Hamidameya? Once the Chachamim made a takana that Hamatama and Hamanasach are chayef to pay, because Hezek She'en and Nikin, we're going to give you a knas, pay anyway, if Miknasa Gomrinon, then we on ourselves would have included Midameya. The fact that they needed to make a special takana, on Midameya, that's the proof, that's the source that Miknasa Legomrinon says the Gemara Chazru in, they remade a new Takana on the Midameya, which means Loi Chazru before they made a unique new Takana on this Midameya, Loi Maitamal Av Mishum, the Knasu, because even the Chachamim's decree that Hametama the Hamanasah have to pay, isn't that they ruled that you have to pay Meikidadin, it was a Knas? But the Knasa Legomrinon Minei which will be the source, which will just justify Rabbi Yosef's question to Rav Huna. Why did you, Rav Huna, want to know whether Rav Nachman passed the Knas or whether it was a Din? He asked, Lamai Nafkemina. So we're saying this is the Nafkemina. They're telling Rabbi Yosef. Can we learn from it or not? Says the Gemara, Lloyd. No, 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 we don't know. We, Rav Huna asked, Knas or Din? Rabbi Yosef asked Rav Huna, what difference will it make? So now we're saying the difference. We're proving there's a difference. If Rav Nachman rules a din, and if Rav Nachman's rule to that informer was a din of a knas, then says the Gemara, there's no proof from this Mishnah or from this B'raisa in Gitin. If I'm not mistaken, then he was a Mishnah, right? Right. That may cut on Savri, that maybe, I know here, but I'm saying in Gitin, it was... If I remember correctly, it was a mission. Maybe I'll tell you it's a knas. And normally, yes, however, over here, the reason perhaps why they initially only made a takana that the metame and the nasa have to compensate, that's because, as we explained, nisuch is the worst because the wine becomes asr bahana. Even making truma tameya, you really 
downgrade its value. You can eat it, now you can only use it for fuel. If you have good food, and you can only use it for fuel, okay, it's not worth nothing, but it's worth very little. However, because, like we said, Midamea doesn't mean they made a tummy. They mixed Chulin and Truman together. So if you sell it, you get less money. That's a very small amount of loss. One might have thought that over there you don't make a knas. And later they needed to specify that even the Hafsid Mu'at, Nama Chashashu. So there's no proof from there. Ask his Gemara Eni, that's not correct. Because there's actually another version of the sequence of this Tikkun that the Chachamim made, penalizing one who damages, even though the Hezek is indiscernible. And this version is that they made the Takana first on someone who made someone else's Truma Tame, on someone who mixed Chulun and someone else's Truma. Fakir, that was done first, even though there's Hafsid Mu'at. And then Chazru Lamed Afamenasech. And here again, now we have a great proof. You see, Chazru in. They needed to remake a Takana. They needed to specify the Hamenasech, which means that Loi Chazru, we wouldn't have learned Benasech from Metame. And midameya, my tam alav mishum delegamirin and miknasa. And here you can't answer what you answered before, because here we're saying that barishayna was already on the hefsed muat. So the gemara says loy. One second, still you don't have a proof from over there that miknasa legamirinon, because I will argue that the reason why initially they did not make katakana on the menasech, and later they did, it's not about learning one knas from another, but that involves a whole different topic, which is connected to the rule of kam lebe which we keep on learning over here. And let's not forget that when a person makes yayin, yayin nesach, which means when a person steers or pours wine, l'shem that person is also serving avaydazara, which is a chi of misa. So once a person does one act, which will make them be liable for a death penalty, then they don't have to pay any monetary damages that they did. So that issue is connected to why they initially did not make the tikkun, the knas, and the menasech, and later they did. That may cut us over in oven. And sorry, just to be clear, in this case of menasech, right? Are we talking about that he actually used the, that wine for yainesech? He's or he, zero, or he took other wine that was yainesech? No, no, no. He, he made yainesech. He made Yain Esach. He steered it or poured it L'Shem So initially they thought Keravavin and later they accepted the sheet of Rabbi Yirmiya. Explains the Gemara. Mekaris of Keravavin, Ravavin opined in a din in Al-Chashabbos. What's din in Al-Chashabbos? Kedama Rabavin, Zorak Chaitz, Mitchilas Arba. And we're going to read the gears of the Yaivitz. O L'Soif Arba, if a person threw an arrow, and as we know that when it comes to the Malacha of Yitziah, of Hoytza'ah, the Malacha actually consists of two steps. Akira, you have to uproot it from where it is, and then you have to put it down, you have to place it in, from one domain and another domain. If you are in the same Rishul Sarabim domain, you have to transport it for four Amos or more in the Rishul Sarabim. But you are only Chayiv for the Malacha Midrayi Raisa when you did both Akira and the Hanach. So he asked the Gavaldik, if a person takes an arrow and they make an Akira, they pick it up and they shoot it, and it's going to land after four. But while it's traveling, it ripped, it went through someone else's silk. Now why does the question? The question is, on one hand you can argue that when it went through the silk, the, 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 the arrow thrower did not yet violate Shabbos. 
There's no because the of skila comes only when it lands. It ripped the silk before it landed. If that were to be the case, then you're chayiv, the monetary obligations for damaging someone else's silk, and later you're going to be chayiv, Misa. However, Avin Paskin, that you are going to be Potter, because he considers shooting an arrow one prolonged act. So even though it concluded with the Hanacha, but since it began with the Akira, so therefore, since during the act of Hoytza'a, it did damage, the act of Hoytza'a is an act for which you chayiv Misa, you, we will apply the rule of Kam Lebedarabimine, and therefore you Potter. Shaharei Akira you can't have a Hanacha without having an Akira. And therefore, this one prolonged act is an act upon which it was Chai Benafshe. Now, therefore, let's just speak out the following. When a person picks up someone else's wine, why would they have to pay? Because they stole it. But one second, a person picked it up in order to pour it or to steer it for a Yanavaydazara. So it's true that when the person picked it up, at that moment, you didn't make it into Yayanesach. Yayanesach doesn't happen when you pick something up. Yayanesach happens when you steer it, when you shake it, or when you pour it. That happened later. But let us view this one prolonged act. You cannot steer it or pour it if you don't first pick it up. So we thought that we'll paskin like Rabavin, we will consider it one long act. We could learn one knas from the other, but initially they said that if someone takes someone else's wine and makes it into Yain Esach the Potter because of Kamlei, and you can't argue one second that it didn't happen at the same time, it's considered at the same time, like Ravavan said in Shabbos. So then they changed their minds, and at Lubasayf we did Paskin. That at the same time, it's Potter, if you're Chayiv Misa, you're Potter from Amenis. Oh. But later, they decided we're going to pass it like Rabbi Yirmiya. What's Rabbi Yirmiya? The Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Yirmiya saying that Mishas Hagba Kanya, when a person picked up the wine, specifically Yain Nesach, that is the act of Kenyan. In a case of Geneva, that's the act of Geneva for which you have to compensate. However, Rabbi Yirmiya clearly differentiates between our case and the Chayz. One way of wording it will be that when a person throws an arrow, after the person shot the arrow, you cannot stop it. So your Maisa was the Maisa Akira. And there is where it did damage. True, the Hanukkah did not yet happen. However, we take a say that it's considered one prolonged act because one part leads to the other. The th- so he agrees with Ravav and let's learn that way. But over here, when I pick up the wine, God forbid, stealing it, my, true, I cannot pour it without prior having picking it up. But I could pick it up and stop. So when I picked it up, that does not inevitably lead me to make the Tiyayin Esach. So here we do separate both acts. We don't say it's one prolonged Misa of, of being Menasech, which is why they paskin later, you have to pay. Now, for the fact that they only ruled the Knas by Hezek She'en and Nikir, on other cases, that is not an issue. Because maybe, Miknasa yes, Gamrinon. That's the point of the Gemara. So we're just justifying Rabbi Yosef's challenge to Rafuna. Why did you bother Rabbi Nachman, Dina, Knossa? Bottom line is, the way we're learning, and let's go back to that, that an informer who really is not doing direct damage, and this is important, the way we're wording it, if the informer was not coerced to show the extortionists or the, the, the illegal governments that went after Jewish property where some Jewish property is, since they were not coerced, even though they did not steal it, but it's called Garmi, 
So either we're going to word it, that's the question, that we penalize, we cancel the informer, or we're going to approach the sugya that our Mishnah goes according to the Tanah of Meir, that doin dina de garmi. And what will be huge then is that Rav Nachman takapaskin like our Mishnah, that doin dina de garmi. Coercion is defined by many Rishonim here. That's another big topic. Not that someone is being coerced financially, but someone is being coerced with the threat of torture or death. And that's going to, be, that's going to lead into the next sugya. Now we're going to go into the whole topic of informing, of being a Maiser, how a Maiser is really a Raidif. This is going to be a huge daf right now. Says the Gemara. Rafuna bar Yehuda. Hevra Haltkop. I mean, it's Agadete, but this is very important Agadet. Like everything else, which is important. Ikla, he visited... He went to a place called Abiyoni. And being that Rafuna was there, Rava that was nearby, also accommodated Rava. He went to visit Rava. So Rava, lay, Rava is the one that asked Rafuna, Can you share up some nice dentator that you had? An interesting case. To which Rafuna tells Rava, Yeah. That there was a Yisrael, Sha'ansu Here, that's the key. That there was a Jew under my jurisdiction that was being coerced by an idol worshiper. He was being coerced, he was being demanded for him to show these bandits, these extortionists, where another Jew's property is. And he was being forced. They had a mom and And he showed them what they were looking for. And they took it. Now, again, this Yid did not directly steal it. More than that, here he was coerced. And Baliyadi, and that entire came to me. This is all what Rafuna is telling Rava and Vichiyativ, and I told the Jew you have to pay. So the moment Rava heard it, Amarle, he tells Rafuna, Ahader Uvdalamare, retract your ruling. You're passing the wrong. The Tanya, and he quoted the Braisa, that Yisrael Sha'ansu Evdekechavim, that's the key, that if a Jew was coerced by a guy, and not wanting to get tortured or killed, what that guy wanted was, show me where that other Jew's property is so I can take it. And the head of Mamun Chaveri, he's Potter. However, even there, even by coercion, the Braisa says, if the Jew actually took it, he didn't bring the extortionist to that property. He took the property to the extortionist, since it was Biyodayim, true he was coerced. And no one is demanding for him to give up his life. You have to actually save your life. But if you directly stole, if I'm stealing money to save my life, no one is going to tell me that I'm not ethical. But I have to pay for the money. So if he took it, be a dime, that means it's not garmi, it's direct, and you're chayif. But if you don't take it, be a dime, then you're potter. So he tells, so he tells Rafuna, change, retract your ruling. And on that, the rabbi clarifies that imhera me'atzmai, just to make this case different than the case of Rav Nachman, because Rav Nachman ruled Chayev. And here Rav is saying, your pater. So Rabbi just clarifies what we're saying, that if the, the informer was not coerced, imhera me'atzmai, then even though he did not directly take it, the extortionist took it, that is considered already directly, let's go Don and Degami. Which is why Rav Nachman says, you're chayif. The reason why Rav was challenging the Psagdin in the case over here was because he was coerced. And that will be the key. If one is being coerced to inform, then he's not chayif. If someone did it on his own, Stam and Informer, we'll see, is going to be 
I'm an informer without being coerced as chayiv. If you're being forced, then you're potter. Okay. Ahu gavro. The anosuhu if they can have him, he was being coerced by a nanju, and va'achave achamra. You know, with an aleph, it's wine. It's not not chamara. And he showed the wine of Rav Mani, bereder Rav Pinchas, bereder Rav Chizda. And here, sadly, it wasn't that he was forced and he showed it, and that's that. And as we just learned, he would be potter then. But now that the extortionist knew where the wine is, so now he was vital being forced to participate in the crime. So Amar Lei, so this Oivit Kechavim, told Ahu Gavra, Derei, pick up that wine now, Va'amta Bahadon, and come with us. They made him actually steal it. And and listen, he was he was under the threat. We're learning here not of financial threat, torture or death. And that Shaila came in front of Ravashi. And what's amazing here is that Ravashi says that that Gavro is patrine, is exempt. So Amalei Ravana and Ravashi, hold on. I understand that a informer who was coerced is off the hook, but that's only if he doesn't directly do the damage. But in that same price it says, And here this Jew sadly was forced to actually take the barrels, take the wine himself. Not for himself. Steal the wine for the goyim. So Armalei sort of responded, Ravashi, important. Hanamili, when do we say that there's a difference between taking it and showing when he didn't first take the extortionist to the money, if he didn't take him there, and he took it with his hands, he's chayif, because he brought it. Over here, he showed them where to find the wine, and they went there. Now that the guy went there, it's already lost property. So now that it's already, the Gemara is going to use the words, it's already burned property. Now they're telling him to take it. He's, he's, he's taking something that's lost anyway. He's taking lost property anyway. He showed the extortionist and he brought them to the wine. So they were there. At Khan, he's not high of anything. I, he informed, he was coerced. But now that the Oivdik Chavim are there, the wine is considered lost wine or burnt wine. So even if he takes it via Daim, he's not considered a Mazik. So Eisvei, Rababo, Taravashi, on this differentiation, it says in Abraisa that Omar Loi Anos, that if someone was being coerced by a, Anos, by a mafia person, and he was told, Why don't you extend to me? Interesting word, extend to me. We'll see some what that means. This bundle of, of wheat, or why don't you extend to me this Eshkoil Anovim Zeh, this cluster of grapes? Someone was being forced to do it. But here the Jew that was being forced did it be a daim. And and he did, gave it to his chayiv. So why don't you say that the, the anas was there? Hand me that one that's there. The anas is there. If the anas is there, it's considered burnt. So Ravashi answers, no, no, no. The words give away that that the anas and the Jew with the bundle, the Jew with the cluster, were on opposite sides of the rivers. The Anas was actually not there. He was unable to take it. Right then. It was out of his reach because of a river. So here, it's not considered burned merchandise. Now again, we're not saying that the Jew should have given up his life. He was not allowed to give up his life. You have to save your life other than in the three big Avedas. Not including theft. 
but he's going to be chayv to pay because at the end of the day, he was the one that did it be a daim. And the Gemara says, Daikanami, that Ravashi is right. Because the words in that Braise is that the Anos told the Yisrael, Hoishit, extend to me. Why don't you use the normal word, Tainli? Vulaitani, Tain. Shmamino, that it was betray Ivra Denaro. Continues the Gemara. And this will already be a little bit of a, a foretaste of one of the first dinam we're going to learn, God willing, in the Numasechta above Metziah. So what we're going to learn above Metziah is, is that when two people are fighting over the ownership of an article, if none of them have any sort of chazaka on it, none of them are the ones upon whom we can say, ah, we're going to learn a very hard learn to wrap our heads around called Kol Da'alam Gevar. Means there are times that the Beisden tells both sides, may the stronger one win. It sounds a little bit like the Wild West, and the logic behind it is that when people are right, they fight stronger. So it's almost, if we cannot decide who's right, the one who will make the extra effort is Taka the owner. Let's approach it that way. You don't know. Oh, right. Okay. Says the Gemara. Hahu Shuta, we're speaking about an animal trap or any other interpretation of this word Shuta. The Havaminsu Allah Beitre. Two people were fighting over it. And again, the way it appears is this Beisden already told them, call the Alam Gavar. So one side knew, I'm not going to get it from Shimon. So what did he do? Hi, Omar, did he have Omar? Each one was saying it's theirs. One guy went and he informed the government. He went to a king's officer. Again, this is speaking about times where officers of the king, mamish were plunderers. That means they used to steal things. So he decided, that I'm not going to get it, even though it's really mine, but I have the real rights to it because I know it's mine. I'm going to make sure Shimon doesn't get it. So he told the king's officer, you know what? Why didn't you take this? And the officer took this shusa. So now the question is, what do you do? Why the officer The officers took it because they were thieves. They were always looking for stuff to take. So he involved the government, and the government ended up taking it, confiscating it. So the question is, do we look at this person as a miser? Is he an informer? So Omar Abaya says, that that person is not viewed as a informer, Ruven, who informed the king's officer, can say, I gave the officer what's mine. Because I know that it is mine. Called the Alam Gvar doesn't only mean I have the right if I'm stronger to hop it. I can do whatever I need to do to make sure he doesn't have it. Okay? I, he doesn't have it. I informed on something that's mine. Amalei Rava, Rava disagrees, Rava tells Abayah, can he do that? can't do that. And there's so many opinions as to why does Rava disagree with Abayah. One approach would be because Kol Da'alam Gvar does not allow you to inform. Kol Da'alam Gvar means you have the right to take it. But the point is you have the right to take it for you. If after you take it to you, you want to give it to the, to the government, knock yourself out. But you can't, yes, no, 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 that's, what, that's one approach. Another approach of Rava is, is that even if Kol Da'alam Gavad allows you to get a third party involved, you are never allowed to get these extortionists, these non-legal officers of the king involved. Because when they steal something from Ruven, that's the psychology, 
You think they're done? They'll come back and steal from him tomorrow. And they'll come back the next day and they'll end up killing him. That's a very interesting thing that happens in life. That once people are taken advantage of, it's, it's hard to explain it. They attract more people to take advantage of them. And really, one of the reasons why if a person is a moiser mamain to the, to the government, he's considered a raidev, is because once the government gets into the habit of that person is a victim, we can get away, we can take stuff from him, and there's nothing he can do, they don't stop there. You would think that, fakert, okay, the guy says, okay, I already paid my share, my dues, the worst. You allow that to happen, they'll come back and they'll kill you at the end. So Rava says he's not allowed to do that. Elama Rava, Mishamtin If that's the approach, that is the chayrim that you put on a person who's moiser. Ad the maiselei v'koi bedino. He says, you know what? You have to pay for the shuta. Now, you want to win it? Go to Adin Taira. And call the Alam Gvar, then you win it. But you're never allowed to involve an informer. Now, more about informers. Ahu Gavro. The story is mamash amazing. There was a man that have a boyi, a chavuye, that he wanted to show a government official where another Jew's money is. Someone wanted to become an informer. He was not being coerced. He felt he had the right to do it. And he was going to show the government where someone else's wheat is. Also, this person and Mestama, the other Baldin, came in front of Rav. Omar Lay, Rav told this person, Loi Tachave. Veloi Tachave. He told him strongly twice, don't inform another Jew to the government. Here, we're not speaking about safety. Yeah? And Rav told him, don't do it, don't do it. Don't show, don't show. Again, we're speaking about a person who wants to get the government involved, not for safety reasons, only for financial reasons. A Maisir is like a Raidif. So Amale, so he informing people to the IRS, that's the din of Mesira. You know, if, it, if there's no safety involved, very simple, if it's just about money, until today we're not allowed to involve the government. Amale, machvina u machvina. He tells Rav, I will show, because Rav told him twice, I will show. So here you have a person who is not yet an informer. Here you have a person who is just letting you know that he will become an informer. According to the Jewish law, he's already high of Misa. And what happened was, Yosef Rav Kahana Kamei, Rav Kahana, who was a Talmud of Rav, was sitting there, and he heard how this Jew was telling Rav in his face, I will inform, He dislocated his neck, he broke his neck, he, he killed him. He killed that person. The, the, the Meiser to be. So Kari Rav, Kari Rav Ilove, so Rav read on Afghana the Pasik that it says in Yeshaya that during Golas, Banayich Ulfu, your children have fainted. Shachvu, they lay sleeping, Bereish Kolchutzois, at the heads of all the streets, Kitoi, like a wild ox, Michmar, that's trapped in a net. Meaning, Matoizeh, just like a wild ox, Kimish and Michmar, once he falls into a net, Eimenachlam Alav, once a wild ox is caught, and people see that the wild ox cannot protect itself, no one has mercy on it, that's the psychology. That if Jewish money, once it falls into the hands of the government, once either an individual or a group feel that they have the right to steal from Reuven, it's not that they'll have mercy on him, they'll have less mercy on him, and they'll end up killing him.
So a Moisir is called a Raidif. And a Raidif has to be stopped even by killing him before he kills. We don't say, wait first, how do you know he's going to kill? First, let him kill, and then we'll punish him. If someone might kill the other, you have to stop him. So first, Rav justified what Rav Kahana did. However, very nice. If we would have this man, Shiyad Yisrael Takifa. But then Rav tells Kahana, and he was his teacher, so he called him without a title. He tells him, Kahana, until now, they were living in Surah. They were living in Babel. Until now, Parsoi, we were living under a Persian type of government. They would not care if one Jew killed the other. Or maybe they don't care if people kill each other. In other words, I felt that if the government wouldn't have undergone the recent change, you were, you, you were safe. Even though that you killed in Babel, we had certain rights to govern ourselves in Babel but not until killing. So there was a Reish Galusa, and we had our own Batei uh, Dinim. We, we organized the taxes that we obviously paid to the government in Babel, but they never allowed us to take life. But now that you did it, if the Persians would have been the ones dominating, you would have gotten away with it. But But now that the Greeks took over, whether they were Greeks or people influenced by the Greek culture, the Kaptu Ashvichas Damim, they would not... They don't tolerate murder. Va'amri, they are going to say, Meradin umeradin, that you're a murderer. They're going to call you a murderer. And you're going to get into trouble. So he tells the Afghana, you have to get out of here. Now the nice thing of the story is, where do you run? You're in trouble from the government. Kum go, suck la'ara di Yisrael, go up to the land of Israel. Now, more than that, we're speaking about Amairayim, the greatest Amairayim. You can go to Eretz Yisrael to do what? He's a Talmud of Rav. So who was Rav's counterpart in Eretz Yisrael? Rabbi Yechanan. By the way, Rabbi Yechanan, you should know, I mean, Rav was much older, but Rabbi Yechanan was still alive when Rebbe was alive. Rabbi Yechanan, we're going to learn this in Chulan, I think, was heard classes up until when he was 15, look at the chart, under Rebbe. But he, he was up in the end row. Bechal, the way it worked there is, is that there were rows. The greater the student, the more up front. So he was, I think, in the 17th row. The Gemara says he was at the, because he was very young. But Rabbi Yechnan was the Talmud of Rebbe. That they shared the same Rebbe. Rav was a Talmud of Rebbe. Don't forget, Rav was also a nephew of Rebbe. Rav was a nephew of Rabchia. Remember that in Sachim? Yes. I, either he's called Abba Richa or he's called Aivu. Okay, that's Rav. Anyway, so Rav tells him, go to Rabbi Yechnan. However, the way with the Marsha speaks out, quickly reading a few words of Chidush HaGadis before we finish the Mesechte, that the Efshel HaFadish, Lefishenav, Kahana, Harigas HaMasur, Belidosh Uzbezin. The wrong Alpidin Torah here wasn't that they killed the informer, is that Rav Kahana killed this informer without getting permission from Rav. So it's Ki'ilu, the Marsha says, V'lenotal Rishus Mirav, U'chi'ilu Harig Halach HaLamaisa B'fnei Rabboi, it's as if a student who's giving a halachic ruling in front of his teacher, Shuchayv Misa. So Rav Kahana needed that tikkun. He needed an atonement. So what was his atonement? Now we'll read on. So Rav, look what Rav tells him. You know what your atonement will be? That, let's find a place. The Kabbalah, Allah, take upon yourself. That for seven years, sit in this class. Don't open your mouth. Don't ask any questions. So that being silenced, the Marsha says that the people live 70 years. So seven years is Maisid. And that's Mamashab, like death. For a Talmud to sit in a class and not to ask, that's going to be your Tikkun. 
You paskin in front of me, go be quiet over there. And that's what happened. Rav Kahana left Surah. He ran away basically. And he ran to Eretz Yisrael. And Ozil, and he came to the yeshiva of Rabbi Yechanan. Now look how nothing really changed in a positive way. Ashkechei, Rabbi Yechanan finished the class for that day. Remember by the Rebbe, after Fabrengans, so you had those who, no, Rabbi Yoel and his group, they would write away Chazar the Fabrengan. So after Rabbi Yechanan gave a class, there was Chazara. Who gave Chazara? Reish Lakish. So he got there during the Chazara of Reish Lakish. So, he was finishing the Mesifta, means he finished reviewing everything that was taught by the Rabbanon. So, Omar Lahu, so he heard, he didn't know anyone yet. He hears that Ashlakish repeating. Okay, now he had questions on the class. Now, don't forget, Rav only told him he cannot ask Rabbi Yechanan, but he can ask Reish Lakish. So, first he wanted to meet him. So, he asked the Chevre, Reish Lakish Hecha. Bring me to Reish Lakish. Amai, why do you want to speak to Reish Lakish, you newcomer? Who, who are you? Already you're going to speak to the Chayzer? Amalahu, no, he says, Hai Kusha, Hai Kusha, Hai Peruka, Hai Peruka. I have questions, I have answers. Ooh. They heard he was, he was speaking good. So so they told Reish Lakish, there's this newcomer here. He has comments. And, and, and Reish Lakish heard his comments. And he heard that this Rav Kahana, he's good. Not only that, Ozel Reshlakish, Omel Rabbi Yechanan. Reshlakish tells Rabbi Yechanan, here's a high in my brother-in-law. Ari Arami Babel, a lion ascended from Babylonia. So you better make sure, tomorrow you're giving a class, Li'ayin Mar B'mesifta Delomachem. Prepare your class good tomorrow, because if you'll make one mistake, he's going to catch you. Oh, Rabbi Yechanan heard that. You know, okay, so Lomachem. Oisvua B'dara Kamo, Kamei De Rabbi Yechanan. So when the next day the share came, where did Rav Kahana sit him? The first row. A newcomer. Rabbi Yechanan sat Rav Kahana in the first row. Now, the problem is Rav Kahana was told by Rav to be quiet. So Omar Shmaitza, he set up, he taught, Vilayakshi, and Rav Kahana is quiet. Shmaitza, he teaches more, Vilayakshi. Now, Rabbi Kahana is quiet, right away he kicked out of the first row. They put him in the seventh row. Then there was, more, there was like the male of the first seven rows. You know, you're, you're, you're the weakest from the uh, top class. Then they put him all the way in the back. Not only that, Rabbi Yechonim was disappointed. The line that you spoke about, became a fox. Now what's amazing, a fox is very shrewd. Rabbi Yechonim suspected there's something up this Rav Kahana. He didn't think the lion became a lamb. He didn't understand why. He still understood that Afkahana has something up his sleeve. Omar, when, 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 when Afkahana heard that, he got so hurt, he got kicked into the back row. He's called up a fox, not a lion. And he understood that Raf told him to be quiet because he needs a tikkun. So he says, may this be my tikkun. So he, Afkahana himself, said that Zekaparasi, I don't have to be quiet for seven years. I already got the pain of the seven years. I already got. He says, Yehei Rava may be God's will. That being pushed to the end of the road, the seventh row, that should be in the place of my silence for seven years. In other words, I now, I'm not disobeying my Rav. Now I have the right. Seven years passed. Now I have the right to ask. For one, one class. Yeah, the Yeah, For one class, for one, for one demotion. You see how much people need covet? He was demoted. Okay, so now, Kamakari. 
Don't forget, he's sitting all the way at the end of the classroom. No one will look at him. So he stands up on his feet. And Omar lay, and he tells Rabbi Yechanan, Nahadr Marbet Why didn't you repeat what you just said? So Omar Shmaitzer, so he repeated. And Va'akshi and Afghana had a question. Ooh, it was a good question. So until, until he came all the way to the front row. Invited, Omar Shmaitzer. Yeah, keep on going. Rabbi Yechanan said something, and, Af- and Afghana had a question. It doesn't say he refuted him. Afghan had a question. So now the Gemara says that Rabbi Yechanan have a Yosef Asheva Bistarki. Rabbi Yechanan sat on seven uh, rugs, on seven cushions. He sat on a high chair. And the questions of Rav Kahana were so great, to which Rabbi Yechanan had no answer, so Rabbi Yechanan began to demote himself. So, For every time he didn't have an answer, Rabbi Yechanan took off a cushion. He took off a uh, rug. Omar Shmaitze, invited he taught, actually, invited Rav Kahana, had a question. Until Rabbi Yechanan was sitting on the ground. Adios of and now the Gemara says that Rabbi Yechanan, Gavra Sova Hav, Rabbi Yechanan was an elderly person at this time in his life. There are those that hold that Rabbi Yechanan lived 120 years. He definitely lived over 100 years. Uh, much younger. And what happened was, his eyebrows were very long and it covered his eyes. He normally did not see his surroundings and he wanted to see Rav Kahana or the way the Marsha says, he wanted Rav Kahana to see his face and to see his eyes. Because if Rav Kahana would have seen Rabbi Yechanan's face, he would have accepted his teaching better. Because he would have understood Rabbi Yechanan better. When you look at the face of your teacher, you understand him better. Is Dolu Le'enai, they picked up the eyebrow. And it's Amar Lahu, Dolu Le'enai Ba'achzai, pick up my eyebrows so he should see me or I should see him. And Dolu and they picked up, they lifted his eyebrows the with a silver eye applicator. And Chaza, and when Abiyechanan looked at Rav Kahana, this is a tragic now, it has a happy ending. He saw the ferite sif vase, that Rav Kahana's lips were split open. And as Rashi says at the end of the Amid, that Prita sefase, that Nikra sefase alide maka, that Rav Kahana had a blow on his lips, and his lips were cracked. Whether this was permanently or not, we don't know. But Rabbi Yechanan, who kept his eyes, his physical eyes shut, his first impression of Rav Kahana is Rav Kahana smirking at him. So somebody thought, Rav Kahana is laughing at him. So Rabbi Yechanan felt dejected. And when a tzaddik feels dejected, the one who caused that feeling, big trouble. And v'nach nafshe, Rav Kahana passed away. The next day, Rabbi Yechanan told his colleagues, Did you see that Babylonian? He was laughing at me. So Amrulay, they told Rabbi Yechanan, one second, He wasn't laughing at you physically. And, you know, that's the way he looks. He wasn't smirking at you. Ooh, that's not good. So, so Rabbi Yechanan went to where they buried him. He went into his burial site. And Havu Chaza, he saw the Havu Kufyud Zainamud Beis, the Havu Hadra Lei Achno, that there was a serpent surrounding his grave. This we find in many other instances after they buried the Rashbi and they buried his son. Remember that? When they wanted to bury his grandson, I think Rabbi Yossi, the Achno, the same Achno. So says Rashi, Nachash Gadl. There was a large snake. And also, the snake made himself into a circle. 
Umakiv espi hamaara, and he surrounded, he encircled the opening to this cave. The noisens novelitechbiv, and the snake put the tail in his mouth, and the ain adam yachalikonis. No one was able even to enter the maara, the the cave. So Amar, so what happens? He begins speaking to the snake. So Amar laid Rabbi Yechonon tells the snake, and that's how they spoke to the snakes. Then achna achna, snake snake, mamish the same story that happened by the Rashbi. Psach pumech, open your mouth. Let me, the teacher, go to my student. The snake didn't open its mouth. So Rabbi Echanan understood he didn't open its mouth not because he didn't listen to him, because his wording wasn't correct. So he says, no, let a colleague go visit his colleague. The snake doesn't open his mouth. But then he says, let the student, go in front of my teacher. Oh, oh now that you asked, so the snake opened the mouth. Bayrachmi, he went into the cave and he resurrected him. And Omar Lay and Abiyachman tells Rafkahano, I have your dat, the dark eich, the marhachi. If I would have known that you had a blow on your mouth and your lips are cracked, you were not smirking at me, like Hal Shodati, I never would have gotten upset, you never would have died. I apologize. Come with us, come back to my yeshiva. So Amar Lehi, Surah Kahana tells Rabbi Yechanan, If you are able to ask Hashem for Rachmanes, the Sula Shechiva, that I will never die, then Azilna, then I'll go with you. The Eloi, Loi Azilna. But if you won't do that, I'm not going to go with you. Now there's so many ways of learning this Gemara. Let's follow one approach that Rav Kahana was not asking here to live forever. He was telling Rabbi Yechanan that you're such a big tzaddik, that when you get upset, the one who made you upset, dies, I'm afraid to go back with you because if I'll get you upset again, I don't want to die again. And why don't I want to die again? Because one way Rashi says is, now that I underwent once the pains of death, I don't want to undergo again the pains of death. An early death. So promise me you'll never get upset at me again. Then I'll go with you. And obviously there are so many other ways of learning it. He was either asking to live forever or he was saying that now that I died and you got me back up, there's, I, I will really never have to die again. Because I already passed through death. The only reason why I would die again is, again, if you get upset at me, guarantee me you won't have chalishu sadas. And Rabbi Yechanan granted him that. Tayere oikmei. Interesting. When he woke him up, in Tchias HaMesim over there, in that, in that story, it, evidently, you don't wake a person up completely. He woke him up enough to have this conversation. Now that the Rav Kahana consented to get up, he got fully, he fully woke up and he stood on his feet. Now, Rabbi Echanan, who understood that Rav Kahana should be his Rebbe, he didn't waste a second because the snake confirmed that Rav Kahana is the Rebbe. Rabbi Echanan is a student. So, Shaili calls Sveiko da Havale. It's amazing. Rabbi Echanan, the great Rabbi Echanan, throughout his life had many questions that were yet unresolved. So he asked Rav Kahana all of his questions that he had. And Rav Kahana answered all his questions. And that, now you'll understand that Rabbi Yechanan used to, before the story, tell the students, the Lechoin. He used to tell the students, the trade is yours. Meaning there was always this healthy competition between the Eretz Yisrael Nikas and the Babylonian Nikas, each one claiming they have the Torah. So Rabbi Yechanan used to tell his Chavra, Torah is yours, meaning it's ours. In Eretz Yisrael. So Rabbi Yechanan says that the Lohain Omri, I used to say it's yours, but now the Lohain, it's theirs. 
Because Rabbi Yechanan acknowledged that the Rav Kahana's Torah was even greater, greater than Torah Saretz Yisrael, which is also amazing. The power of Torah, in spite of not being in Eretz Yisrael, that's it. Keser Malchus, meaning Keser Torah, belongs to everyone. Vaiter, says the Gemara, Hahu, Da'achvei, Am, Tachso, Derab Abba, there was a person and formed the government or these extortionists regarding the uh, silk adornments of Rab Abba. And now that they saw where Rab Abba's adornments are, they stole it. This is going back to our topic. Shmat is in a positive way. Fancy, fancy non-Hasidic clothing. Yosef, Rab so now he took him to a basin. Who are the Dayanim? Look at the basin. Rab Abba, Rab Bar Papi, and Abit Nafcha. They were the Dayanim. And whether they liked it or not, they had Rabbi Law sitting next by. So that's you have a good Beisdin. But if you have another great sage sitting next by, Beisdin is on their toes. Because if they give a wrong ruling, he's going to comment, which is exactly what happened. So Saver Lechayuve. They wanted to rule that the informers have to pay. And where did they take it from? Not from our Mishnah. But guys, we had this on Daf Kuf. And it's getting late so quickly. The Mishnah speaks about the following. That there are, when a Beisdin makes a mistake in ruling. So if they are Toyeb Edvar Mishnah, they have to retract their ruling. We don't care about Zeilusa the Beidina. Beisdin said like this today and tomorrow they said like that. If they paskened against the Mishnah, they have to retract. God's rule is more important than anyone's covet. But if Beisdin made a wrong mistake, they gave an erroneous ruling. It's called based on Shikol Hadas, To'ob Shikol Hadas. It's not a black and white case. They ruled one way, but later they realized they made a mistake. So this Mishnah is telling you, you can't make a retraction because it's degrading to the Beisdin. But the Dayanim have to compensate for the loss that they caused through their wrong ruling. Now, I know that some of these details is not about money, so push it for time. Ayn and Dafkuf, we spoke out very clearly, Rashi and Toysavis had to learn this Mishnah. But the Nakud of this Mishnah is, is that when Beisdin gives an erroneous ruling, they don't directly cause monetary loss. Like for example, if Beisdin says, you have to pay to him. They did not take the money from you to him. That's the initial understanding. They caused you to illegally give money to someone else. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says there that the Dayanim have to compensate the loss. So he was trying to prove from over there that doing dinner de garmi. So an informer is chayf to pay, even though he did not directly take the money away, but he caused someone to lose money. There it says in the Mishnah, Adon Esadin, a Mishnah Bechayrus. That Adon Esadin, if a Beisdin gave a Psag Din, and Zik Asachai, Vichiv Asachai, you know, they made a mistake. Look in Rashi and Davkuf to explain how this affects money. Also to be defined more. You know, by the way, if they say something that's Tamei, is Tahar, you can't leave that ruling stand. It's about kosher food. So anyways, look in Davkuf. The point is, is that in the case where there was a toz, Bishikol Adas, and because of Zilusa the Beidino, they cannot change their ruling, but they have to compensate. Vishalami Beisoy. So that was, was going to be the source from this Bezdin to show you that we are doing Dina de Garmi and applying it to the informer, the informer will have to pay. So Amalei Rabbi Allah told him, no, don't use that Mishnah, we just had this. And Dafkuf, because Hachi Rav, that Rav limited the Mishnah. When does the judge or do the judges have to compensate for their erroneous ruling only if they be a daim, took the money from the guilty party 
which was really not guilty, and gave it to the other one. That it's only But if the Dayanam did not directly cause this damage, then the Taka don't have to compensate. There's no proof from that Mishnah. So Om, Omri lay. What does that mean, though? What do you mean? What does that mean? Look, in one example, Rashi would say that there was a mashkin involved in a loan, and they, brought, they put the mashkin in front of the Dayanim. Two, from a Yidin. They're having a financial dispute. Each one was saying they're right. They told the basin, we're going to follow what you say. And they took that mashkin and they gave it to the party that was taka, should not have gotten it. So they gave it to him. That's, that's it. Or they, Rashi says amazing in Kuf that they were speaking about if something is tired or tummy. Something was really tired. It's really t- it was kosher. It was not p- and they passed wrongly that it's tummy. But to impress the ruling, there was a dead rat nearby. There was a dead sheritz. And the Dayan picked up the dead sheritz and he touched that food and he says, you know, it's tummy anyway. And really, and now you discovered that it was not tummy. So he was matamid be your dime. That's where they have to compensate. So the kids said, Omri lay. So when this when these Dayanim, when these judges, direct, indirect, when these judges were unable to rule that the informer is chayiv because Rabbi Loi was sitting nearby and they didn't know a good source, they didn't know how to refute Rabbi Loi, but they knew that many other Batidinim will rule that even Garmi is chayiv. So they told this litigant, the person upon whom, they told Rabbi Abba, who, who lost money because of the informer, Zilagabe Rab Shimon Den Eliyakum, Rabbi Allah ben Pedas, go to those great Amairayim, Shemel Yakim, Allah ben Pedas, because we know the Daini Dina de Garmi. So he's going to rule, Yurav Abba, that the informer has to pay you. You know, they, they pointed him to a Bezdin who they knew would find Rab Abba the wronged party. And that, that can demand compensation. So and they so they went in front of that basin. And and they ruled that the informer has to pay the Baba. And what was their source? Our Mishnah. Perfect. That right? The case of our Mishnah was a Gazlan stole land. And then a extortionist came and he took that land. And if they came after the Gazlan, and as we learned at the end of yesterday's shir, that we explained that this part of the mission is speaking about a case, the even if he didn't rob the land, if one person points and you bandits from the government, you're looking to steal Jewish property, that property is a nice, juicy property. They pointed them in that direction, the informer. The informer is Chayev. Why? The way we learned, because doing the Nadegarmi invited more stories. Let's go, let's go. There was a person with whom a silver cup was deposited. Broke into this guy's house. He, he was not like he is a custodian. And thieves broke into his house and they told this custodian, again, they threatened him. Again, that's the key here. That's what we're learning today. And when you're threatened, we learned, you should not be chayv. And shakla... Now he went and he gave it to them. So they came in front of Rabba and Patre. Rabba says that he's Potter. The custodian is Potter because he was uh, being forced. He was being coerced. Amalia Abaya asked Abaya, Talmud of One second, we're not finding him to be an immoral person for doing it. He was saving himself. He was being threatened, using someone else's money. Very nice, but you have to pay. You should be chayv to pay. 
So Elo Amad and he and like we said, because he gave it to him with his hands. That's what we learned in Amad Aleph. So Elo Amad Ravashi, Ravashi accepted Abaya's challenge to this din. Ravashi says like this: Here's the key. Chazinan e inish Amadu. If the custodian is, let's say, an, assessed to be a wealthy man, adata didu asi. Then we can argue the thieves broke into his house to steal from the custodian himself. And if that's the case, if he saved his property by showing them someone else's property, he's going to be chayef to pay. But the Eloi, but if this custodian himself is a schlepper, he doesn't have any money. So why did the thieves break into his house? Because they knew that he has a silver goblet. They came after the silver goblet. Adata de kaspa asu. And since I died to the Kaspa Asu, says Toysvis, second to last Toysvis, the Afal Gav, the Omar Leel, second from the top, second from the bottom, that Nasav and Nasav Yat Chayiv, if they came only after the silver goblet, Ravashi saying his potter. So ask Toysvis, the story that we read was Shakla, that he took it and gave it to them. Frek Toysvis, he gave it to them. If you give it Biyad, your Chayiv answers the Ri, one second. If a person who is not wealthy agrees to be a custodian, over something of great value, it's a given that the custodian is telling the owner, I don't mind guarding it. But if someone comes to steal this, I'm off the hook. The shiny shoimer shall adas kidu. He already, so to say, it's a given that he made this stipulation that if someone is going to come looking for a silver goblet, I'm not going to give my life for it. And I'm going to be off the hook from it. And even if he gives it to him, be a dime. He's Potter. Wow. Let's go back into the Gemara. Hogavra, there was a person. Great story. Someone was entrusted to watch over a pouch that had in it money that was gathered to redeem Jewish captives. Again, thieves broke into his house on this custodian and they threatened him. Torture or death. Show me where the money is. Shakla, he took it. And you have a nihilai when he gave it to these bandits. And then they came in front of a dintaira. So the Bach says they came in front of Rabbo. And Rabbo again, Patri. Rabbo says that this person doesn't have to pay back. Omar le Abaya again. Abaya asked him, It's someone who's saving himself, using someone else's money, who if he does it, be yodayim, he's chayiv. So here, Omar lay here, Rabbi told Abayah, here you're wrong. The first white line. What was the money collected for? It's great. It was collected to redeem captives. This person was captured by these bandits. So he used the money to free himself. That is exactly what the money was raised for. So here he doesn't have to compensate anything. He used the money for what the money was meant to be used for. Vaiter. There was a person. There was a person who brought his donkey on a ferry. Now, as it becomes evident, these were ferries. A little bit like the boats we spoke about yesterday. Don't think about big ferries. They can barely hold people. And bringing a donkey in there was not accepted. So before anyone else came... They would have stopped him. He brought his donkey on. And then, he got in there before other people went on the Mabara. And other people went on the ferry. The ferry was crossing the river. And because of the weight of the donkey, or because of the balance of the donkey, the boat was going to sink. So, came a person on the ferry, and and shoved the donkey into the water. And the donkey drowned. 
So now the question is, does the shaver, who saved everyone else's life, by ruining, by damaging someone else's property, be your dying? So they came in front of Rabbah, and again, Rabbah is lenient. Patre. So again, Abai is asking him, Very nice that he saved everyone. But at the end of the day, you saved your life by having with someone else's money. And you did it. Pay. So Amalei, to which Rabbah responded, That the person, the owner, who brought the donkey in there is called a roidif because he endangered everyone's life. And the rule is, is that when you're saving yourself from a raidif, you can kill them, and you can certainly damage their money. So the Niradov, which was everyone on the ferry, who saved their lives by destroying property of the raidif, is going to be exempt. And Rabba Latayimei, let's say Reuven and Shimon. Reuven is chasing after Shimon to kill him, so Reuven is the raidif, the pursuer. Shimon is the pursuee. And the Roidif, you know, assault to injury. As he's chasing after Shimon, he breaks the utensils. The pursuer, on the way to kill Shimon, damages Shimon's property, other people's property. Reuven is not high to pay anything. Why? No, guys, we keep on learning this. Because the moment he's involved in pursuing someone to hurt him, you can kill him. He's doing something for which he's liable to lose his life. So he cannot then incur monetary obligations. However, continues the rule that if the one being pursued breaks the utensils of the pursuer, the nirdav is spotted. Why? There's no like, there's no rabbi So Rabbi says very simple. Because the nirdav is allowed to kill the raidav. So if he's allowed to kill the roidif, then he for sure can kill his property. It can't be that someone's money has more value than someone's life. And that's why Rabbi says in the case of the ferry, why the one, the Nirdov, who pushed the donkey, who shoved the donkey into the river, who destroyed the mamain of the owner of the donkey who's a roidif, is potter. Now we just continue. Avol shall call Adam chayev. However, if the Nirdov, as he's trying to save himself, damages a third party's money, he's chayv to pay. He's allowed to do it, but he's chayv to pay. Because the asr, again, the word asr, we're going with the approach, not that it's asr. He's actually obligated to save himself. You have to pay back the money. Now, what about? If you're being chased in your great vessels, you have to pay the guy back. But if you're the one chasing the other guy... One second, one second. If I, don't say it's so blanket. If I'm the one being pursued, if I break the utensils of the one pursuing me, I'm also putter. I'm also putter. Well, any, Anyone else? Person, Correct. You have to pay it back. Yes. But if you're the one the, doing the chasing... Now you don't have to do that. If you're kill someone, you break someone else's vessel. You're putter. putter. Come to Makes sense? No. Even but, though after yeah. you don't kill them. Doesn't matter. Because we hold like a debate of Chizkiyo. That doesn't mean when you will actually get killed. It means when you're doing something that theoretically could bring you to, the, to lose your life. Now, not another case. Reuven is chasing Shimon to kill him. And Levi now is chasing Reuven to stop Reuven from killing Shimon. You understand? So, you'll have to do that. He's going to save Shimon. And this Levi now, he breaks utensils. Bain shall if he breaks anyone's utensils, he'll be potter. One second, why will he be potter? 
The answer is because if you're going to tell a person, if I witness Shimon Reuven trying to kill Shimon, and I have a moral responsibility to stop Reuven, but if I'm going to know that if I accidentally will damage someone's property, I'm going to be penalized, I'll never stop Reuven. But the Adin, it's good Samaritan law, very good. Like Rashi says, like you said, the Nirdaf himself, the Nirdaf himself, who protects his life by, by, by damaging someone else's property, is Chayiv. So for sure, this third party for sure should be Chayiv. However, if you wouldn't apply this law, no one will save, try to get involved. Samaritan law, saving Shimon from the hands of Reuven. I know it's late. We'll stop here again tomorrow morning. Emir Hashem will start earlier. This stuff was pushed very big. And we'll start again tomorrow a few minutes early to be continued.